the college football experience, Cincinnati Bearcats 2023 season preview episode on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network brought to you by Bird Dog Shorts. Dominate the summer with an amazing pair of shorts and, 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 and a free Yeti style tumbler when you order over at birddogs.com slash pool. Once again, that is birddogs.com slash pool. Hey, what's up, you degenerate gamblers? This is Bill Burr, and you're listening to SGPN. Let it ride, baby. Twenty-three season preview episode, and I'm excited to talk Bearcat ball because they got new life as a Power Five program. And uh, look, we're going to talk a lot about that because, well, my guest has been lobbying for that for about thirty years. I can remember uh, being in middle school, getting a, a, a at the vending machine. And I got this idiot just uh, rattling off, uh, you know, information <laughs> about uh, how Cincinnati should be in the Power Five. We're going to talk all about it. Uh, but maybe you're wondering just who the hell you're listening to. Well, my name is Colby Swinging Database Dan, aka Pick Dundee. That's not a pick. This is a pick. He was raised in the land down under, where a man thinks on his feet speaks with his fists and lives by his wits. When Dundee happened, he was a superstar. I'm probably drinking too much and celebrating too much and not sleeping. Would have killed a normal man, but nah, nah, that's gone. The medical advice I got from that was was like being hit by lightning. Pretend it never happened and get on with your life. And you're nothing but a chameleon, lemon-headed, coward, terrorist pussy. And I'm after you, buddy. You're gonna pay for it tonight. Oh, I. You know, you think I'm joking, but we've loved the Cincinnati Bearcats for a long time. A long time to quote the the great Ric Flair. All right, and this guy, I'm not making it up. Probably. We were probably playing Tecmo Bowl in 1993, and uh, we had this conversation. Nah, I became a uh, what? The, I became a Bearcats fan late 90s. Huggins, okay, you know, and uh, so 1997, Melvin Levitt and, and uh, all those guys. Yeah, yes, 97. Yes. Give it up for uh, remote. He's remote. Uh, give it up for former former JMU Duke defensive back, the burrito eating, sideline kiss stealing, wheeling and dealing, Patty C in the place to be. Hi, well, let's get it going, buddy. You're on vacation. You're at the beach. Yep. Everyone's at the beach. I'm at the studio, just grinding away. Fair enough. I live at the right beach, so away. I guess I don't. I don't need to, to to just go to the beach. You know, I go to the beach every day. Uh, in the in, you know when I walk my dog. Flex but, on them, Colby. Flex on them. Well, I mean, it's not like I'm Burt Reynolds over here living in a living in a mansion. I don't own a yacht, but I do live close to the ocean. 
and I often see homeless people throw feces at one another. Uh, so uh, <laughs> Venice Beach, California, folks. Um, but uh, here we are, Patty C, and and you are a guy that was chirping in my ear 25 years ago, telling me Cincinnati should be in a power five. And uh, you have chirped so much. All right. We should have a documentary crew following you around because it's finally happening. The Bearcats are moving along and uh, to the big 12 conference. I think there's a buzz around uh, Cincinnati. The skyline chili's tasting a little bit better, but uh, what's, what's your first reaction on the fact that the Bearcats are a power five program? Well, if I'm being honest, uh, my first reaction is a, that's awesome. But B, you know, the field goals move on them once again, as soon as they uh, get to the power five level, Oklahoma and Texas pack their bags and head for the SEC. And here they are standing at the, at the door of, uh, you know, the, the most elite level in terms of kind now it's kind of like the big 10 and the SEC are in a league of their own and uh, everyone else is looking up to them, but they're a lot closer than they were. I mean, the American has been good, but they're playing in the same conference as a team that was in the national championship last year. Whereas obviously when they were in the same conference with UCF, which they are again, um, previously UCF went undefeated for two straight years and couldn't get a crack at it. So Cincinnati, you know, was the team that uh, kicked that door open for the group of five and got into the playoffs. But you know, as, as has been noted, they were already on their way into the power five before, uh, before they were allowed, you know? So I think that door is still closed for a lot of group of five teams and it is open for Cincinnati. They just have to do their part. So of course that's super exciting. Yeah. And uh, you know, the big 12 did uh, win a playoff game. Unlike the big 10, even though the big, they put, they gave the big 10 two teams for some strange reason, but um, uh, <laughs> so what, one and one uh, in, in the, in the CFP, the invitational uh, a season ago, but uh, the big 10 was Owen two. So there's that. Um, but you do make a good point. All right, we're going to talk all about it folks, but before we dive into the offense, the defense, the special teams, the transfer portal, want to tell you that the Cincinnati Bearcats 2023 season preview episodes brought to you by bird dogs. Yes. Bird dogs make you look good. What did Dion say? You pay, you play good. They pay good. Something like that. Right? Something. What was it again? Good. You look good. They, uh, they, pay, uh, you play good. You pay good. You play good. They pay good. It's a tongue twister. There you go. <laughs> See, well, bird dogs does all that shit. All right. Without, without that tongue twister, uh, bird dogs got stretch khaki <laughs> shorts that are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. You're going to look like you're going to look like Bosworth in 87. All right. You're going to be out there anywhere. You, you put these things on. You're going to automatically look like the Boz. Um, but, uh, look, they, they fit way better than regular shorts. You know, regular shorts are made of all stiff restricting cotton bird dog fixed this issue by inventing cloud knit fabric. That looks just like khakis, but stretches to get you a way slimmer fit without you having to sacrifice all that movement and bird dog uses anti stink sweat wicking fabric. Wow. Maybe they have, maybe there's a little tongue twister there. Anti stink sweat wicking fabric. Uh, look, it keeps you cool and dry all day, and you're not going to smell like you just got off the football field. All right. You're going to smell 
like roses. All right. And uh, look, it's just great. Go to birddogs.com slash pool and enter the promo code pool. That's P O O L for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. I mean, they're giving you free stuff too. Once again, that's birddogs.com slash pool for a free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We can promise you that. All right. We are back on the college football experience. Cincinnati Bearcats 2023 season preview. Uh, Patty C. I know uh, this is a program that, uh, well, in my mind, they won a national championship recently. The year that Brian Kelly uh, just abandoned them. <laughs> well, they did go and play in a bowl game. You know, they, they, they may have done that, but uh, you know, they, they had to play their uh, bowl game. And uh, even though they won the regular season national championship, if your coach leaves, leaves you, uh, then maybe you got to dangle a little more money in front of his face. So I can't quite agree with you, but they were close. No, no, no. That that counts as a natty. If all those other bullshit ones count, uh, they also had an undefeated season in 1885, an undefeated season in 1886, an undefeated season in 1887. Um, you can go on and on and on about the <laughs> the history behind this program. I mean, uh, they they were what a ten and one season with Sid Gilman in '51. I'd say that I have to investigate. That might be a national championship. Uh, and then you have the 2009 season with uh, Brian Kelly, where they were 12 and 0, but they lost uh, by 27 in the bowl game. But their whole coaching staff was gone. Um, Details, yeah. yeah. So go ahead. Let's uh, let's go. Let's also uh, let's also bring up the two national uh, championship wins they had in what the late 50s or early 60s against Ohio State. You know, so uh, let's see a little more of that on the football field. And uh, that is, that's the other thing that might be, uh, you know, the, the, the best history they have, if this makes any sense is in front of them potentially as a football program, because now they're going to have, you know, a little more access to this talent. And that is being reflected in the recruiting rankings presently um, and only will hopefully grow for them. I think they will. And I think Brett Yormark is doing a fantastic job early as a commissioner in the big 12. Now a lot we're still going to see a lot of turnover, but so let's, let's break this down. Uh, Luke fickle's gone. He, he said on Wisconsin, I'm out of here. Um, I was a bit shocked that they hired Scott Satterfield. Now I know Satterfield wasn't fired at Louisville. He won eight games last year, but Louisville fans were not really happy with him. It seemed to be an ugly uh, relationship after he had lied about taking an interview with at South Carolina, but did Cincinnati hire the best available coach? Well, you know, obviously primetime would have been a bigger splash at the time. And he was, you know, in, in, in the conversation. So I think they probably would have preferred him definitely. But uh, outside of him, I think there's probably a lot of coaches. You had urban Meyer, you know, who knows if he would have taken the coach, but apparently he's hovering around the Ohio state campus a lot. So he's not just down the road. He's from Cincinnati. He's an alum. That would have been a home run. All that said though, you, I know in advance, I'm going to spoil this for the fans, but you don't seem super high on it and you're not alone there, but I will remind you that you're pretty high on Louisville this year based on what they did last year. So I'd like for you to explain, <laughs> you know, why you're down on Cincinnati on this hire, despite being high on Louisville after last year, Well, I'm high on Louisville because I believe Jeff Brom is made to coach the Louisville Cardinals. 
you know what I mean? Like this is just a well, home right run. It is a home run. Like he, his father coached there. Yeah. Like, like it just makes a ton of sense. And I think he can do more. People don't realize this Purdue's best wide receiver coming into the year last year uh, was ruled academically ineligible. So he was not allowed to play. Louisville's never going to yeah. do something like that. So Purdue had to, had obstacles. It's hard to recruit and get guys in there at Louisville. This is why I think it can be a juggernaut. The right guy for the job, I think the sky's the limit. Now, I don't know if Brown can win national championships there, but I certainly think you can do more than what Satterfield and Petrino did there. And uh it just takes uh, the right Petrino guy for the job. Petrino did pretty darn well. You got a Heisman guy, but Petrino they also had some bad well. years. They also had some bad years. So, um Satterfield is is one that I'm kind of I like I think it's a decent like to me if Syracuse hires Satterfield, I think that's a good hire. If Cincinnati does, yeah. I go, I go, eh, I don't know. I get it. Syracuse has been a power five for a while, but Cincinnati, especially when you know you're right. I mean, urban Meyer was out there. DL was out there. There's Gary Patterson out there. There's Bronco Mendenhall out there. Now I have no idea if those guys are interested. Um, you could also argue some other coaches that, that uh, you know, were available at the time that maybe uh, you know, would, would take this gig, Jamie Chadwell, I know was talked about as a possible uh, candidate. Um, I just feel like they kind of settled, but I mean, they stole this guy away. I have nothing against Scott Satterfield. I thought he did a good job at app state, but here's one thing we've also noticed app state's kind of coach proof, you know, from Jerry Moore to Scott Satterfield to Eli Drinkowitz to, uh, to what's their guy's name? Sean Clark. I know Clark went six and six last year, but they still beat uh, a and M. And I think it was just kind of an anomaly. They lost five of those six games by, by a score or less. Um, yeah, so they were so, good last year. Yeah. So I kind of think app state's been proven as this kind of team. That's almost like Boise back in the day when Boise was going through Dan Hawkins and Dirk cutter and Chris Peterson yeah. and Brian Harson. You're just like, well, no, they just know what the fuck they're doing. So I am well, a little concerned maybe, yeah. or maybe they just do hire good coaches over and over and over. You know, that could be another explanation for sustained excellence, you know, and, and that means that each one of those dudes is good. Now you do have to look at like what they do afterwards to see if they are actually hiring great coaches over and over. I think uh, Satterfield is a bit of a question mark though at this point, you well, know, because he did have great years at, uh, App State. Sure. And maybe I don't want to say he's a bad coach because I don't believe he's a bad coach, but 25 and 24 and four years at Louisville is not good to me. And the ACC was ripe for wins. Like the ACC, we were going through this on a, the Boston College preview. You're sitting there like, dude, this team could win like nine or 10 games. This schedule's easy. You know, I get it. They were in the Atlantic, but Florida State's been way down during that stretch. Uh, and all you had really was Clemson. You should be better than Wake Forest. You should be better than those other schools, and they weren't. And tw- twenty-five yeah. and twenty-four to me is 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 not good. And then when you add in, they just added in a bunch of money to Nippert, right? They just they they made all all the financial things. They're they're going to be jumping into the Big Twelve. Excitement is at an all-time high. I thought you might want to go for more of a, a, a more go for the 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 throat, the jugular. You know what I mean? As opposed yeah. to just this is yeah. one where you're just like, well. I guess, and maybe I'm wrong. I've no, been wrong before. Me. Yeah, Urban Meyer and Deion Sanders. If they got and Urban Meyer, like you could say that's a long shot, and maybe it is. But like you're talking about a guy coming home to his alma mater, and uh, for a dude of his quality, his stock is never going to be as low as it is right now. 
you know, the chances of you as kind of an upstart power five program, getting him is close to nothing at any other point in his career, you know, unless you got him like way back when, but since having won the national championships that he has, like there's no chance they would normally get him unless that scandal has happened, but the scandal did happen. They could have gotten him. And instead, they get Satterfield. It's like, oh, what, what that, about? And, and then, of course, like you said, prime time. Or Matt Campbell. He's an Ohio guy. Played at Mount Union. Like, I think I know. I don't know that they. Maybe they called Matt Campbell. And he wasn't yeah. interested. But I would still make him an offer. He couldn't refuse. He's this is his home state. I just feel like there was a lot out there, and uh, the Satterfield one was surprising to me. And it, it, I, I, I'm not saying I'm gonna be like. He's getting the wheels are going to completely fall off. I just, it kind of reminds me of when they hired Butch Jones. Now, Butch Jones won them games, but they did kind of fall off a little. Or Tupperville. Tupperville is another one. Like, does this fit? Okay. I don't know. In terms of quality, I could see that. I could see that. But I, I'm not as scared about that as you are, especially, you know, obviously. He hasn't really, his three years, um, you know, obviously uh, the COVID year 2020, they had an off year four and seven, but uh, eight and five, six and seven, seven or eight and five really last year. And they whooped Cincinnati in the bowl game. Um, so I, and a lot of those losses for Louisville last year were kind of close. So I think maybe he was finally getting it figured out and then just decided to jump over to the next thing. Obviously, like you alluded to, like the the turmoil and the and the lack of confidence in him and that relationship being a little broken, it makes sense for him and to I, jump. But if he was getting progress, like it is kind of questionable. It's a lateral move. Well, I, getting out of there in a fresh start, I actually agree with. If I was Satterfield, I think I would have done the same. But my point is, is I don't think the ACC has been very good, and you should be winning more at Louisville, in my opinion. If anything, I would argue that this is going to be a much harder gauntlet in the Big Twelve. Uh, week in week out, than they faced in the ACC. I mean, it, just thinking their division because I know the ACC doesn't have divisions anymore, but not when Satterfield was the head coach at Louisville. He got to play Boston College, Syracuse. Uh, who's their crossover game? UVA every year. That right there, you at even UVA, Wake. Yeah, yeah, I know Clawson's at Wake, but I'm saying they should be winning those games. They're more. Ta- they yeah. can. Wake has nobody. Their enrollment's like four thousand people or something. I don't know. We'll see. We, we're going to dive into it. Um, let's first talk about the transfer portal because that's what I find very, very interesting. And just in general, um, he does bring some guys with him in the portal. He also uh, was able to bring in his defensive coordinator with him, Brian Brown. No relation to the actor in Cocktail. Coglin's law, bury the dead. They stink up the joint. No <laughs> one's going to understand that reference. And I can't wait uh, for, for you to be confused. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, okay. So they have a new OC in, in Brad Glenn, who was the, you know where he comes in from QB coach from Virginia tech. What's that? The, the new offensive coordinator at Cincinnati is Brad Glenn, who is uh, formerly the quarterback coach at Virginia tech slash the OC at uh, Georgia state. Those were his last two gigs. Eh, we'll see. I, I don't picture Georgia state as some offensive juggernaut, but we'll see. We'll see. Let's get to the transfer portal. Uh, departing is Ben Bryant. 
This guy's been in college. Um, the passing. Uh, what? Hello. I'm a little behind. I'm a little behind here. I got a, I got a little delay here. Um, but yeah, the passing game for uh, Virginia tech was like one Oh three. So if that's the passing coordinator you're bringing in, that's not good. And their overall offense was one twenty. So uh, while the defensive coordinator hire is nice with about 10 years of continuity with, uh, with Brown, that Satterfield's bringing over, uh, bringing over the uh, the offensive coordinator from Tech with very little experience, that is a big red flag. Yeah, Tech and Georgia State. I think he was at Tech maybe in the Fuente, the end of the Fuente era. Um, but uh, regardless, here they are, the transfer portal quarterback Ben Bryant, who I was alluding to, has been in college since the Nixon administration. He's been at Cincinnati multiple times. <laughs> he he transfers out. He is now at Northwestern with Pat Fitzgerald. They also lost. See, this is where it's just killer to look at this team for this year. Linebacker Jaheim Thomas. This guy was a beast a season ago for Cincinnati. He's now at Arkansas. Wide receiver Marcus Peterson goes to McNeese. The other wide receiver Drew Donnelly goes to Texas State. Those are no big deals. Wide receiver Quincy Burroughs leaves for Wisconsin. He with Luke Fickle. Offensive tackle Joe Huber leaves for Wisconsin with Luke Fickle. Wide receiver Will Pauling leaves for Wisconsin with Luke Fickle. Offensive lineman Jake Renfo leaves for Wisconsin with Luke Fickle. Uh, those are all huge losses. Uh, wide receiver L. Christian uh, La Christian Smith goes to Western Kentucky. Wide receiver Nick Mardner goes to the Auburn Tigers. Wide receiver Jaden Thompson goes to Louisville. We'll give you Satterfield if you give us Thompson and a bunch of money for that buyout. Uh, defensive end. This guy was a beast. Noah Potter. If you watched him last year, he was a very good player for them. He goes to NC state, both their starting corners. Uh, Jake, JQ Hardaway leaves for Kentucky and Jaquan Shepard goes to Maryland. They also lose kicker Ryan Coe to North Carolina. Um, they got absolutely destroyed in the portal. Like the best players on their team are gone. <laughs> um, incoming, yeah, not, not a good look there. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I mean, in coaching these days that, that, that happens when a coach leaves, he brings like just a gigantic roster and then other players leave, but incoming, he does bring some of his guys with him, And that's, if there's a reason to be excited about the future, I would say this could be it. Uh, he brings offensive lineman, Luke Kendra from Louisville. He brings D, uh, linebacker Dorian Jones, who, you know, uh, was one of their better defensive players a year ago. That's a big get. Also D Wiggins and Braden Smith, two wide receivers that I liked at Louisville jump over to Cincinnati. So they have that. Th those are the four guys he brought with them. Other players are offensive lineman, Trevor uh, Rodisvich from Penn in the Ivy league offensive tackle, Philip Wilder from Southeastern Missouri state of the FCS tight end, Joey Belljohn from uh, the Hilltoppers of Western Kentucky wide receiver, Donovan Ali from Washington state, Florida state transfer and wide receiver Keyshawn Helton, Emery Jones, the former Arizona state quarterback slash Florida Gators quarterback. And there's a lot of speculation that he will be the day one starter. Uh, also cornerback Jordan young comes over from the Florida Gators safety. DJ Taylor from Arizona state defensive end, Daniel Greziak from uh, Utah state uh, kicker, Rory bell from temple kicker, Carter Brown from Arizona state. Cornerback George Udo from BYU, wide receiver Aaron Turner from UConn, wide receiver Xavier Henderson from Florida, defensive end Kyrie Moiston from Virginia Tech, and offensive tackle DeAndre Buford from Kentucky. Patty C, even though I know they brought in all those guys, 
I believe they lost the transfer portal. I almost believe when fickle took that Wisconsin job and took those guys, I almost feel like it was impossible to win the transfer portal. But what's your take on that? I'm inclined to agree with you on that. Um, look, it's maybe it's partially like, you know, tinted by the fact that they have so few returning starters that, uh, that it just seems like, you know, the transfer portal has left this roster, you know, without any continuity or experience altogether. Maybe though the talent they brought in was just as good or, you know, better than the talent that left. I don't think so. I don't think that's the case either. I think they just lost in the transfer portal and that's kind of, bound to happen a little bit. That said, I don't think they got annihilated just because Satterfield was able to bring a, a couple guys over, but yeah, I, I expect the talent to be, you know, a little, a little less, uh, you know, um, capable and a li- obviously they're to be less, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A li- um, cohesion, not going to be as cohesive. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, also, I forgot to mention wide receiver Sterling Buckhalter from North Carolina. A and T. Terrell Furman Juniors. Guys, subscribe to the NBA Gambling Podcast. Uh, so I know I can rattle off the numbers from last year, and I will just for numbers' sake. They were 58th in scoring offense, 93rd in rush offense a year ago, 54th in pass offense, 60th in total offense. Um. I don't know if any of that means anything because we have a brand new offense coordinator and Scott Satterfield, but I can tell you this Emory Jones, it seems to be the starting quarterback there. And uh, you know, it was interesting that I was uh, going through our friend. Uh, you know, I have many sources uh, that we kind of use on trying to forecast what the, what the lineup will be. And I know some that uh, just talked to Cincinnati head coaches. And they're saying that uh, Emory Jones is going to be the day one starter. I was surprised to learn though, that Evan Prater third or fourth on the depth chart currently. So not even the backup, not even the backup from what I understand Um, is uh, Emory Jones capable of leading, uh, you know, what, what do you make of him at quarterback and should Bearcat fans be happy or upset? Uh, well, I think with Scott Satterfield's system, um, they're going to use a dual threat. I think that, you know, he's obviously capable of um, sh- uh, being the trigger man in that system. Um, you know, 1,300 career rushing yards, 5,000 career passing yards. Uh, for a dude that's played 45 games, though, I mean, how old is he? But that's a good thing. A lot of experience. Um, but I think, you know, back in 2021, he had uh, 760 rushing yards. And if you get a dude uh, who can pass the ball on top of that, he had 2,700 passing yards there in Florida in 2021. Then, yeah, if you can replicate those numbers, I think the offense will be okay. You know, it, it, to me, the, the, he's one of the red flags. Now, they have Brady uh, Drogosh, who's a freshman quarterback. I know he's excited about. But if Emory Jones can be solid, Cincinnati might be a lot better than what I realize because I like Corey Kiner, the running back that used to be at LSU. He's back from a year ago. Um, the wide receiver position is something that I don't panic. I actually, you could kind of make the case. They got better because Braden Smith and D Wiggins were very good at Louisville. They come over, they bring in Xavier Henderson, the transfer from Florida. They bring in Donovan Ollie, the transfer from Washington state. They bring in Sterling Buckhalter from North Carolina A and T, and you kind of got a solid base of uh, of guys, in my opinion, that that could be successful. So, uh, 
I I think the wide receiver position is sound. Now tight end is a big unknown. I think they're going to start chamming uh Mateer, but he's unproven. I have no idea if that will be good. I know Marshawn uh, Ford, who was the tight end at Louisville under under Satterfield was really good. So maybe they'll find a way to use him. But what do you what do you make of the passing? I think the pa- like if if Emory Jones can be accurate, I think they have good skill position players at running back and wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, and I think that they haven't had they've had good players, but they haven't had like NFL caliber offensive players. Uh, you know, say what you will about uh, the quarterback position. Who am I uh, drawing a blank on the Falcons' uh, QB's name for some reason? Desmond Ritter. But, uh, Ritter, you know, he was good. He improved drastically, but um, you know, he wasn't, he's still not like a, a NFL, like, you know, stud. And so I don't think they've had many of those on the offensive side of the ball. So I think uh, from a talent standpoint, they're probably pretty similar to where they have been. It's just about whether Satterfield uh, can, can make it work with what he's got. Now the other red flag for me. Yeah. I, I actually think, yeah, you're right. And I think the, the receiving core is slightly improved. This is the red flag to me though. The offensive line. You only bring back two of five. Uh D'Artagnan Tinsley's back at the left guard spot. Gavin Gerdhart is uh back sophomore at the center spot. Besides that, everyone's new. And yeah, he brings in Kendra from Louisville. So that's okay. You kind of got three guys. Uh you're bringing in uh DeAndre Buford from Kentucky. And then you're going with John Williams, I think, as as the other guy. This is the X factor to me. I have no idea how this O line will be. I know their best offensive linemen are now at Wisconsin. So to me, the real X factors on this offense, not running back, not wide receiver, it's quarterback and offensive line. Maybe they're a lot better than I realize, And they're, they're very good, but I cannot tell you that. I think this is like one of the best units in the big 12, because there's a lot of question marks here. Of course, of course it's, it's a, it's a very uncertain roster that we're looking at. And especially at the offensive line. So I think, you know, people are probably rightfully expecting them to take a step back based on that. But again, that doesn't mean that everyone's going to be right. But I just think the the unknown element of it and, and knowing the fact that the rest of the big 12 has some pretty darn good teams makes you, you're inclined to fade Cincinnati a little bit. Yeah. And then let's talk about the defensive side of the ball because uh, Brian Brown, like I mentioned, the new DC comes over from Louisville. So he's familiar with Satterfield. He's familiar with what he wants to do. Last year's defense was incredible. I'm just going to rattle off these numbers. I know they mean absolutely nothing in regards to this year's defense, but they were 20th in scoring defense, 71st in rush defense, 11th in pass defense, charting at the 28th best defense in the country. However, they only bring back three guys that ever started games for Cincinnati. Uh, Now the good thing is, is two of them are on the defensive line. Juwan Briggs uh, is a guy who was first team all ACC or I'm sorry, AAC. Uh, and also nose tackle Dante Corleone, first team all AAC as well. That's huge to get those guys back. I know Eric Phillips also played some game. I played in fourteen games. I think he's going to be the other guy starting on the defensive line. And then the Utah State transfer Greziak. Uh, I'm probably butchering his name. Uh, but linebacking core. I mean, D- Deshaun Pace played some eight games a, a season ago. Maybe they got something there, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I I feel like it's hard to really trust that. You look at the de- the defensive backs; 
they're they're you know DJ Taylor, the transfer from Arizona State's coming in. Uh, Sammy Anderson, you know, is a guy that played in three games a season ago. He's going to be starting. Uh, uh, Jordan Young at the corner spot comes in from Florida. Uh, Byron Threats is a guy that played 12 games a season ago. That that's it's hard to really know what we have here. You know, um, I know that uh, you know the defense was really good last year, but they got to be a lot worse this year. I just don't know. I mean, just some of the hits they had in the portal. All the they're both their corners. Potter on the defensive line, like key guys on that defense a year ago are gone. Are you panicking as a Cincinnati fan? Do you think this is still going to be the rock of the team? Cause that's what it was under fickle. Um, well, I do think like, obviously after two years ago, the 2021 season, the playoff run, uh, everyone thought the sky was going to fall. They, uh, lost, you know, the Thorpe award winner and, uh, and Kobe Bryant, as well as sauce Gardner, a top, you know, cornerback in the draft, ton of other uh, players. And that was, that was the, the strength of their defense in 2021. But like you said, they come back in 2022 with the number 28 defense, which, you know, is, is a bit of a drop off. Let's be honest, but it was still, like you said, the, the cornerstone of that, uh, that team. So I do think, yes, you need to be scared a little bit. That said, um, while uh, it's been a little bit of an inconsistent ride for uh Brian Brown at Louisville, he's done a pretty good job managing that defense. If I'm looking at it correctly over the last uh, few cycles, um, they were 122, then 109 uh, in his first two years. So pretty bad. And then they jumped up to 39. Then last year, uh, or uh, 2021, they dropped back to 84, but then all the way up to 23. So I th- the direction, although it's taken a while to be co- for them to become pretty good, is good. But, you know, as far as immediate dividends on the defensive side of the ball, I think there's reason to be a little concerned there too. Yeah. Uh, kicker wise, they brought in two transfers. It looks like it's going to be Carter Brown from Arizona state. And then they have Mason Fletcher punting um, decent punter third team, all AAC a year ago. I, it's hard to assess these teams that are gigantic portal teams. Uh, this is certainly one of them, but we're going to go game by game and try to forecast whether we like the over or the under. But before we do that, uh, we want to tell you that the Cincinnati Bearcats 2023 season preview episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Yes, Best Ball Mania is here, and Underdog's giving away fifteen million dollars in prizes. Yes, Underdog uh, Pick'em is also a great way to get down on your favorite MLB and college baseball player props. Uh, also, when the football season rolls around, they got great college football player props. So many ways to win over at Underdog uh, and active in so many different states. Head over to UnderdogFantasy.com. Use that promo code SGPN for 100% deposit bonus up to $100. That's UnderdogFantasy.com. Promo code SGPN. All right. Patty C. Um, first off, if you, hopefully you're watching on YouTube, youtube.com slash the college experience, cause we're breaking down all 133 teams. And we also, uh, you know, our, our YouTube channel is the home for all of our podcasts. We host the, there's the FCS college football experience. There's the college football experience. There's the college baseball experience, the college basketball experience during the basketball season. I'm here every single night of the season talking to you guys. So Cincinnati fans, check us out. Xavier fans. Ew, gross. I don't even want to say what Bob Huggins said, but it was funny. Um, anyway, <laughs> I mean, how many whiskeys was Huggins deep I, I, by saying that? What do you think? Oh man. I, I mean, on the nightly, I feel like he, I mean, did you hear what his daughter said? Like 
Ah, he's blowing a point two one like all of us do. That's a family thing they're doing over there. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know what's going on, but I was not expecting that uh, this off season. But uh, hey, Cincinnati fans, we loved when Huggins was there when they had Van Axel, Damon Flint. I feel like uh, all those guys. So check out the college basketball experience uh, as uh, my co-host on that show. You know, is is Moneyline Mac, who was a a, co- a coach with with Huggy Bear and Frank Martin. So check that out. But yes, uh, here we are talking Cincinnati, the Big Twelve, Patty C. Uh, I'll say this. Well, first, if you're watching on YouTube, you see the win total right there. You see the graphics. Uh, win totals at five and a half, right? Um. Well. My first thought would be, damn, that's low for a team that has been just two years ago in the CFP. What about you? What's your yes, first agreed. thought on that? Well, then if you dive, uh, I, what's that? I a hundred percent agree. Um, I think, uh, I think it's kind of ridiculous, but uh, you know, I guess, uh, I guess you have to factor in everything. Well, then when you dive in to like the fact that uh, one of the things I first noticed when I looked at the schedule was that they avoid Texas, Kansas state and TCU, Kansas state and TCU played for the championship last year. TCU played for the national championship last year. Uh, Texas is the preseason favorite to, to, to win the big 12 again for the 3000th time, even though they can never win it. So <laughs> you gotta like that. I think if you're a Cincinnati fan, I mean, maybe you wanted Texas cause that'd be the one time you get to play them. Cause they'll probably duck you, but um, yeah. let's, let's get to it. Um, week one, Patty C Satterfield era ends with, or starts with a, uh, a big, big FCS opponent, an FCS opponent that made the FCS playoffs a year ago, an FCS opponent that has FBS aspirations, an FCS opponent that did beat an FBS a year ago in Bowling green. Who made a bowl game? Bowling Green made a bowl game. Eastern Kentucky, the Colonels coming into Nippert. What are you doing here, dude? If he loses this game, <laughs> when you have that many yeah, transfers, that's not the start you want. When you have that many transfers, I always worry. Like with Dion or uh, Dillingham at Arizona State, or Dion at Colorado, or in this case Satterfield at Cincinnati. I'm like, well, how will they look in September? Absolutely. I think you have to be uh, really careful with this game and take it really seriously. I'm sure that Satterfield is being at his first game there. He wants to put on a show, but uh, Eastern Kentucky, did they keep co- coaching continuity? I know. Weren't they the team that was throwing the ball all over the field? No, you're thinking of Western Kentucky, Eastern Kentucky FCS. I mean, they, they still, I think threw the ball a decent amount, but I believe, I believe they retained their, their, uh, the, I know they retained their head coach. I'm not sure about their coordinators at the dive into that. But uh, I'll take Cincinnati, but tread lightly. That is a team that made the FCS playoffs a year ago. Yeah, yeah, take it seriously. But I'll, I'll take Cincy too. Uh, week two, they head to Heinz Stadium, where where Bob Huggins got that arrest. Uh, <laughs> and uh, man, they head. Uh, you know, they're taking on Pitt. I actually think Pitt is just, Pitt's a hard team to understand, and and I feel like. Them getting Phil Jerkovic, they should be really good this year. But Pitt always gives you a lemon, like through the season. When you think they're going to win, they'll lose to Duke. You know what I mean, or something like that. 
I got a favorite pit just because the continuity. So I got Pitt beating Cincinnati, but I think this is anyone's game. What are you doing here, Petty C? Yeah, I think I think uh I think you probably have to favor Pitt too, especially, you know, a little more proven at the quarterback position, coaching continuity, the home field environment early in the season for Satterfield and getting that thing going. So yeah, I, I think you gotta go Pitt, but I agree. Maybe a close game. Then comes what do they call this rivalry again? Miami, Ohio, Cincinnati. I know this is a, a long time rivalry, Patty C. It's like bucket of nails or something like that. There you go. Have a bucket of nails for for dinner. Uh this <laughs> Miami, Ohio has got uh Blaine Gabbert, uh his brother, Brett Gabbert, who almost transferred out. He transfers back or, or goes in the portal, comes back to Oxford, Ohio, home of the original Jaeger bomb. And uh <laughs> I mean, this is another one where I'm like, with all this turnover, if you're Miami, Ohio, you're thinking like, man, we've got our ass kicked recently in this rivalry. This could be our chance. This could be our chance. Now I'm still taking Cincinnati, but I, I expect it to be closer than it's been in years. What are you doing here? Yeah. Uh, you know, this is their all time most played rival Cincinnati. And uh, they only lead the series 60 to 59 with seven ties. So uh, I'm sure Miami, Ohio would love to even this up. Uh, I think Miami, Ohio gives them a game, but I got to take the Bearcats. So we got them at two and one. And then the Oklahoma Sooners come to town on September 23rd. Please Cincinnati win this game, please. Because that, you know, they're never going to come to Cincinnati again. You know what I mean? You got to get them now. I got Oklahoma winning it though. What are you doing here, Patty C? Yeah, Oklahoma's improving, and I, I expect uh, a big jump forward this year from them. So even though Cincinnati will probably get a, a in a physical battle with them, I think Oklahoma pulls away late. Uh, so two and two heading into the final week of September when they on a Friday night nationally televised. It's one of Brett Yormark's ideas that I think he's he's spot on with. Uh, they had to Provo. Man, the Cincinnati fans are going to be searching for alcohol. Um, <laughs> I got BYU beating them. That uh, that elevation, that home crowd, nationally televised, the continuity that BYU has uh, from a coaching standpoint, I think gives them a leg up. It's still September with Satterfield in this bunch. I think BYU wins. I got the Bearcats moving to two and three after the month of September. What do you do? I here? agree with you. Yeah. All right. Then they get a bye week. But then you know this is a personal one for Matt Campbell. He's coming in. He's an Ohio boy. He's coming back home. I think there was a one coach in the Big Twelve that was glad to see them expand into Ohio. It's Matt Campbell because he knows it's going to help us recruiting. Um, this is going to be a game, but I favor Iowa State. What are you doing here, Patty C? Well, let me say this. I expect them to get one of these next two games. I think Cincinnati, you know, just as a program and really what it comes down to is between uh, Pittsburgh, Oklahoma, BYU, Iowa state and Baylor, they're going to get one. I don't have them losing all five of those games. So whether it be Iowa state or Baylor, both in Nippert, they're going to get one. So I'll give them the uh, Iowa state game. Mm, I got them losing all of those. Honestly, I, I have them losing to Iowa State. I have them losing to Baylor, and I have them losing to Oklahoma State. So that would put me at uh, that's just too hard of a grind. You know, last year when they're barely beating South Florida when they had Fickle and company. Well, I think this year's roster is worse. I think the the teams they play are so much better. So uh, I have them losing to Iowa State and Baylor, and then 
they go to Stillwater on October 28th. I think they lose that game too. Cause I think Gundy and uh, it's, a, it's a tough road trip, tough environment. I think Gundy's team's probably a little better than people realize. Um, so I have them sitting there at uh, you know, two and six heading into November. What do you have? You have them at three well, and five. I'll have them a loss what? for that Oklahoma State game. So is, three and five is what you have them at. That. Yeah, three and five heading in. Yeah, heading in November, but I think they have a very strong November. Well, here's what's great about their November: there is a chance. First off, you get the Florida school playing on the road in Nippert. Now, uh, we saw Satterfield beat Malzahn in Orlando last year. Now you get him in Nippert. I will call for an upset. Cincinnati beats UCF November fourth in the cold. You need it to be cold. If this thing's hot, I think UCF might win. <laughs> uh, but I got them yeah. beating UCF. How about you, Patty C? I got them beating UCF too. Yep, good game, but uh, I think they have the edge at home. So that moves with me to three and six. Then they have back to back away, and oh, what a back to back away it is! This is very interesting because there's a shot that both these coaches are fired. This is how you could end up making a bowl, in my opinion. <laughs> is uh, if if both coaches get fired this year, and there's a chance that you could have interim coaches when you play them. I, then I like your chances yeah. to win. However, because it is two tough road environments that are very far apart from one another, um, I'm going to go one and one in this stretch. I agree with you. I think. Uh, I think. Whatever it may be, I, I'm guessing they beat Houston and lose at West Virginia, and so that'll be my prediction. So then you have met five wins. I have met four wins. Uh, then they come home to take on the Kansas Jayhawks. I have Kansas beating Cincinnati, so I have them going uh, four and eight. And Patty C, this is a make or break one for you on the win total. What are you doing here? Well, I have them beating Kansas at home, and not only that, I think. We are just uh, kind of giving Cincinnati the lowest uh, chances to win these games, assuming that it's going to be a rough transition. But that is completely ignoring the success that they've had recently. And if this team is anywhere near the team they've been uh, in recent years, uh, it was take the last three years, what, 12, 11, uh, nine wins over the last three years, then the the upside, if they are good, is very high. But I think you have to take assume a step back is going to happen. So I say six and six bowling is the floor for this team. See, but to me, even if they had Fickle, let's say Fickle would have stayed, I still think you look back at last year. You know, they had a four point win against a one and eleven team. Um, you know, they they beat SMU by two. SMU was decent. There's you know, but they're not as good as the middle of the big 12. Um, uh, they beat ECU by two. They beat uh, they, they just, to me, they lived on the edge a lot and I don't think they're going to have that freedom this year. I think the big 12 is underrated as a conference nationally. So I expect them to struggle. I think four wins. And even with that, you know, yes. Could they knock off Iowa state or Baylor? Yes, but they also could uh, they could lose some of those games I was giving them as well. So um, well, you say that, but listen, they, they played at the same time. They played some of those bad teams close. They played Arkansas. They probably should have beaten Arkansas, the same Arkansas team that, you know, lost to AM by two beat Auburn, whooped BYU, uh, beat Ole Miss. So I think, you know, Cincinnati see, but I, last year's team, I would think have it's played a, decently in the sec. 
No, see, I think it's easy to get up for one game week in week out. When you show the consistency, uh, you know, the difference to me between like, when you go look at that uh, certain teams, like the perfect example, would be like the Boise teams that were undefeated. They were blowing teams out everybody on their schedule, except the power fives and the power fives happened. They would still find a way to win these. I that's a red flag to me when you're barely beating a one and 11 team. That's a red flag to me on, 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 you know, how good are you really week in week out? You kind of in cruise control. We'll see if you can do it each week. Cause the big 12 is, I think it's an underrated conference. I, I, I really do. I feel like their middle is better than anyone else's middle or their bad is That's better fair. than anyone's bad. I should say since Kansas, since Leipold went to Kansas, I feel like the floor is much higher than all the, you know, you look at the big 10, you're like, man, Northwestern, Northwestern lost to Southern Illinois last year in the FCS. You know what I mean? Northwestern didn't win a game in America. Yeah. You got Rutgers in that thing. You got a lot of trash on the floor, right? Well, the PAC 12 had trash on the floor last yeah. year with Colorado and uh, Stanford and, and Arizona state. The ACC always has trash on the floor. I feel like, um, and and uh, the SEC has Vanderbilt. Uh, that's trash on the floor. The the Big Twelve since Leipold's got Kansas playing ball. I feel like there's no trash on the floor right now. So I don't Maybe. know. It's, it's gonna be a gauntlet. I'm on the under. Patty C's on the under. He look. He, that's his team, and he's on the under. No, I'm on the over. No, oh, I'm on the over. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. So you went six and six. Good luck, buddy. Yeah. Good luck, buddy. I'm going to lock this. I'm going to lock this because <laughs> uh, I think a everyone's sleeping on Satterfield. Everyone's saying, okay, uh, he doesn't have it. I think everyone's sleeping on Cincinnati's program. I think everyone is assuming that this thing is going to drop off a cliff, but I, I I think that's that's the doomsday scenario. And if if you're basing your prediction on the doomsday scenario plan out, then you're undershooting this team's value. And I think Cincinnati might get eight or nine wins this year. Wow. So what is what is you got a little rum punch over there on the at the beach? What the hell is happening over there? Uh I I'm just curious, what games will they be favored in this year? Eastern Eastern Kentucky, Miami, Ohio, we know. After yeah. that, Iowa State's a maybe. Uh, I don't think they'll be favored against Baylor. UCF's a maybe, and then I guess if those coaches get fired, maybe. But if those coaches aren't, I kind of. I mean, I think. What's that? Week week to week, I think you're gonna. It depends on how those other teams are doing and how Cincinnati's doing. If Cincinnati's winning and those other teams are losing, I do think Cincinnati will be, but before the season, I think, yeah, right now, I think you're right. I think most people are assuming that they will be favored in like four or five games at most. Yeah. I'm on the under. I feel pretty damn good about it. We might have a lock battle on our locks episode, but look, Hey, Hello. I'm on the under he's on the over. But uh, before we get out of here, man, I, I got Michael Barker, AKA college football campus tour. Uh, I just got to record an interview with him recently about his experience to the great Nippert stadium, one of the older stadiums. So uh, in college football, so here is that. And uh, yeah, so without any further ado, Michael Barker joining us on the college football experience, Cincinnati Bearcats, 2023 season preview episode is uh, I think the world knows him as college football campus tour. I know him as Michael Barker. You should be following this account because if you like college football, this is your heaven here uh, at CFB campus tour on Twitter. 
And uh, the guy goes to like every football game that's ever happened in the, in the past few years. Uh, give it up for Michael Barker. How you doing, man? Uh, I appreciate the introduction. I'm uh, so happy to join you again, Colby. Yeah. And, and here we are talking Cincinnati. I know that there's a huge buzz around uh, the Cincinnati area. You know, obviously uh, wasn't that long ago that this team was in the conference USA. I mean, I remember in the late nineties watching them, you know, beat, uh, they had a big win once against Syracuse, but besides that, like they were not a very good football team, but now they find themselves in the power five in 2023 and uh, Nippert stadiums came, came a long way. Apparently uh, how, how was your experiences there? And uh, tell me about Nippert. So you're right. I mean, the dominoes with Texas and Oklahoma have, you know, had big effects of the college football landscape. And I think the big 12 did an incredible job with the teams they added. One of them is Cincinnati. We know that uh, they went to the playoff two years ago as a, you know, the first G five to make it. So everything's looking up for those guys. As far as the stadium, uh, it opened in 1915 had 15,000 seats. Uh, today it has 40,000 seats. It's actually the oldest site uh, for FBS football in 1901, it was called Carson field and they started playing on that site. Bobby Dodd at Atlanta or at Georgia tech in Atlanta is the oldest stadium, but the oldest site for FBS football is in Cincinnati. Uh, the, the Cincinnati Bengals used Nipper in 1968, 1969 when they joined the AFL uh, and the Brian Kelly, uh, the coach who's now at LSU formerly of Notre Dame he lobbied hard in the mid 2000s to expand the stadium. They expanded it in 2013, 2014 to its current capacity. And they ended up playing the 2014 st uh, season at uh, the Cincinnati Bengals stadium. So uh, a lot of things happening in Nippert. Yeah. And, and, and who'd you see when you went to go see Cincinnati? So I, I think I saw maybe one of the biggest games ever at Nippert. It was 2019 UCF uh, at uh, Cincy. I want to say it was a weeknight game. And it was the second largest crowd in the history of Nippert, only by three seats. So essentially the largest crowd ever. Uh, UCF had just come off, you know, two great years in 2017, 2018. They had a 19-game uh, conference winning streak, and they had – scored 30 points or more in 31 straight games and the student section showed up. It was bananas and they ended up knocking off UCF 27, 24 and everybody rushed the field. And, and it's one of, for me, it's one of 10 FBS stadiums that I've rushed the field at. So uh, amazing experience back in 2019 at Nippert. Absolutely. Fantastic. That is amazing. I do remember that game. That was like the turning point. I feel like, uh, you know, in the Luke fickle era, that was a huge win because it kind of claimed that that Cincinnati was now the team to beat in the AAC. Did you try any skyline chili? Cause I feel like every time I go to Cincinnati, people are pushing skyline chili on me. I did not. Uh, <laughs> but you know, sometimes you get an opportunity to get to the, to the concessions and sometimes you're either focused on the game or for me, I got my, my duties of shooting photos and all that. But, uh, but that would have been a night. There would have been long lines with the record crowd at the stadium. Amen. Amen. And uh, look, folks, I mean, uh, I love seeing the progress of the Bearcats. So if you're in the Ohio area for years, it was only Ohio state as the power five school in Ohio. Yeah. You have all the Maxion schools you had Cincinnati, but now they have a second power five. 
I love the watching the come up of these programs, especially the Cincinnati Bearcats. So if you're in the Ohio area or the Kentucky area, remember Cincinnati's right next to Kentucky. I feel like even their airport might even be in Kentucky. If memory serves me correct. Uh, uh, so get yourself out to a Cincinnati Bearcats game and maybe you'll run into myself or Michael Barker. But one other thing you should be doing is getting yourself over to Michael's Twitter page at CFB campus tour. Cause the guy goes to, he goes to like a thousand games. I feel like in a season you got, uh, so, so what seven in a week is the most you've ever done. I believe so. It was a four during the week and a, a triple header on a, a Saturday last year in North Carolina. So uh, we always love the weeknight games. Some fans, they want their teams only play on Saturdays us college football travelers and degenerate TV college football fans. We want games seven days a week. So uh, we try to max it out every week, 13 week season, get to as many as we can. I want to see if you could break your own record of seven. Uh, you know, I was trying to think right now I was like Miami, Ohio's got that rivalry with Cincinnati. Maybe you could knock off two there. You're, you're not far from Louisville. So if you're in this area, you can kind of be like Michael Barker and catch a few games. So uh, give him a follow. This guy's I'm telling you, he does the, the shot of the game. And I like during the football season specifically, one of the first things I do when I jump on the Twitter is I'm like, I wonder where Michael's at right now. And boom, one night he's at the Kent state matching game. The next night, you know, I feel like he's in South Alabama catching the Jaguars play. And then, Oh, Thursday night, Seattle, Washington, sailgating. Guess what? He's there. It's, it's a must follow. Uh, if you're a college football fan, so get over, get over there at, at CFB campus tour. Once again, hopefully you're watching this on YouTube, youtube.com slash the college experience. If not, just remember this Michael Barker at CFB campus tour, type it into Twitter and he'll come up. Michael, I appreciate you hopping on the show and uh, look, I look forward to catching you at Nippert sometime. Absolutely. They got Oklahoma coming to town right before they go to the sec. So that's a big one, but yeah, I'll catch you at Nippert or uh, some other game during the season next year. There we go, brother. Take care. And thank you. Thank you. That was Michael Barker. Yes. And uh Nippert say we got to get there. Patty C and that is pretty awesome that they, their home opener in big 12 play is Oklahoma. Maybe if there's a game that I'm maybe underselling, I could just see that place being bonkers for that one. Uh, I, that that one's going to be a fun one, man. They're going to get up for that one. That's what I'm saying. Like we mentioned Iowa state and Baylor. I think that might be more of a sleep fest for the fans. I think the Oklahoma one, knowing they have one shot at doing this. Yeah. That might be the one that if I'm, I miss forecasting Cincinnati season, I don't know. It's going to be great uh, folks. Subscribe to the college football experience. Cause we're breaking out all 133 teams with a solo podcast. We do this each and every year. We've been doing this shit for years. Subscribe, tell a friend. I'm on Twitter at the Colby D Patty C's on Twitter at Patty C eight, three, one NC Nick, who's normally with us is on Twitter at NC underscore underscore N I C K. The college football experience is on Twitter at TCE on SGPN. And folks, subscribe to the college basketball experience, the college baseball experience, the FCS college football experience. We got it all there for you. Subscribe to all of them, including the college football experience. Get the SGPN app and come talk college football with us. I know you guys are watching Maction on Tuesdays. I know you're watching since your your beloved Cincinnati Bearcats. Well, hop in the Discord and chat with us. We're watching them too. All right, sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Discord. All right, I'm on the under. Hopefully, I'm wrong. Patty C's on the over. This is the Cincinnati Bearcats 2023 season preview. I love you in the Big 12. Congrats, 
Let's get it going. You better start thinking about yours. And we out of here.